na 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 that was my Shakira moment welcome back to the podcast I'm Shakira Lockett <laughs> and I'm Mary Sorensen I'll keep my name today not only will you keep your name today but you'll also keep Sorensen today yeah and you, you know, know you know you're you're having a last name today too I mean that's something mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, change. you're having a name change today. It's <laughs> Shakira. <laughs> oh, Shakira. Anyways, we haven't been here for a little bit. Uh, by a little bit, I mean a week. So, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a beautiful week. And we have a guest today, which we're excited about. But before we get to her, just how have you been? Stressed. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking, uh, you know, offline. So I knew what her answer was, but like. <laughs> yeah i'm very stressed lots of big changes coming in my world um houses babies i'm not pregnant i shouldn't have said that but the idea of babies <laughs> work in progress of babies yes um and then new jobs hopefully so promotions we'll yeah. see but yeah very stressful all good things but stress so is well. stress mm-hmm. yeah yeah how about Don't you hal how was your week yeah mine uh was interesting to say the least it was like you know decent but I did lose someone in my family this week so that was you know hard and um so that was it's just something I wasn't quite you know knew was coming I should say so I can't say I wasn't expecting but Mm -hmm. still it's not it doesn't make it any easier when it happens um but you know moving into positive mindset and just trying to move forward I feel like that's the best you know best way to way to think about it moving forward you know definitely still, work is still good for me I have my health my parents have their health you know Brandon has his health his family so like that's what I you know I'm good for that definitely so that's we amazing. all see how great of headspace me and Mary have been in um <laughs> but with that thankfully we have a very spicy and I can say that as a fellow ginge uh, podcast guest today I almost said podcast host and I was like that is not the right <laughs> word um, guest today her name is Tracy Conan and she is all about the divorce money guys so she is a financial uh wait hang on how did she say it financial investigator? she she is a forensic accountant forensic thank you For, yes, yes I was like there's it's different words yes <laughs> thank you for being my brain but I had no idea what that even was, to be honest, mm-hmm. Same. Um, before we, you know, was kind of started looking into her and stuff like that. So the fact that this exists is so interesting. And there was so much that I learned from this episode, like being a married person, like happy mm-hmm. person that I can only imagine for people like your mom, you know, yeah. who was going through it, you know, and didn't have resources, like how beneficial something like this episode could be. Yeah. Definitely. And before I give anything away, I feel like we should just get right into it and I can tell my thoughts in the outro. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's jump in and we'll see you guys on the other side. Welcome back. I'm so excited to have another guest here today. We have the beautiful Tracy Conan. Tracy, thank you for being on. And to start us off, how do you show up in the world? Tell us about yourself. I pretty much show up just as I am. What you see is what you get. And that's actually something that I've been using as a selling point of my business since day one, 23 years ago, when I started it, 
I'm a forensic accountant, so I investigate fraud. My clients are attorneys on behalf of their clients who have, you know, weird stuff going on. They've got employees who've been stealing from them, or they're getting divorced and someone's hiding money, or they just have companies fighting over contracts and scenarios and losing money. And I come in and figure out how much money and testify in court, right? So that's the quick background. But I have been working solo for 23 years. And in my field, in the accounting field, it's typical to have firms and teams of people. And I sell to the attorneys that I work with, what you see is what you get. You know exactly who's working on your case. You know that I'm the person who's been doing this for a really long time. And when it comes to testifying in court, I'm going to show up. I'm going to know everything about it. My answer is never going to be, well, I don't know because my staff did that. So selling point that I use and, and in real life, it's how I show up to what you see is what you get. I'm, I'm just me. I'm going to try to be polite. I don't always get it right. <laughs> um, but you all know that I will always tell you the truth. Um, I value loyalty as one of my top uh, values. And so you, you know, you can count on me for loyalty and honesty and yeah, that's it. Love it. And a just being a ginger and sharing that in the world. I needed just to put that out there. <laughs> you know, it's a shame. It's a podcast and no one can see us because we are that cute. But yeah, yeah gingers unite. I'll, um, I'll step back. <laughs> I was going to say, I love that you take on everything with the business because I, I just from what I know about that world, I, I know that that's not what happens. And there is usually a team and things like that. So that it is so interesting to hear that you do take on all those facets so that you can say things like that in court. I think that's so interesting. And more, I think more individuals should probably do that. Right. I have support staff behind the scenes. I have an assistant. I, I really literally used to do it all myself. And last year, I finally got a virtual assistant who is a rock star. And she will help me behind the scenes with some of the less technical aspects of my cases, document management, organizing things, sure. um, going through stacks and stacks of bank statements to put them in order and to make sure that we have everything that we need. She'll do some data entry and some research in cases for me, but ultimately I do it all. And what I've tried to do over the years, and I've done it pretty successfully, is use other tools to leverage myself and my time, right? Because I have limited time, which means there's a limited amount of money I can make. But about, oh gosh, 13 years ago, I started using some software and I started calling it my secret sauce because it was software that at the time was pretty revolutionary. It could get data off bank statements and into a database. And I, a lot of my work deals with bank data. That's how I trace money and figure out where it's gone. And back in the day, all the accounting firms had staff who would sit there and type the data into oh spreadsheets. Yes, yes. And so I started using software that did this automatically for me. And I would tell clients, this secret sauce is like having two or three staff people working with me because it can process so much data. Now that kind of software is very routine. There's a whole bunch of different options out there. Sure. But what I did over the years was take that software and make it part of a process and hone that process over the years to create efficiencies so that as I'm working on cases, my time commitment goes down, but the value I can provide goes up and the, the amount of data that I can deal with goes up. I love that. That is so interesting. And I think that it, 
it's important that you mentioned you, you do have people helping you, but it's yes. in different ways. I mean, I, I think that's normal and natural to one, not be able to do everything yourself. You want to have a personal life. You want to do other things aside from your work, but also there are things like data entry and things like that, that it's not like that's taking away from you knowing things about that case, et cetera, too. So I, I totally understand that. I love that. Well, your poor audience, they're probably sitting here saying, we didn't come here to hear about accounting and data entry. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't know you were in for such a treat today. Honestly, before we got you as a guest, I didn't know that there was like a forensic accountant out there. So like, this is actually like really interesting to me because like my parents got divorced and that did happen. My dad like moved a bunch of money and all that stuff. And my mom was the one going through like the bank statements. So they must just not have used anybody <laughs> to do this. Right. Well, shame on your dad, first of yeah. all. And second of all, you know, probably 95% of people who are involved in divorce cannot afford to hire a forensic accountant. It's very expensive. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that it's actually not necessary because in most cases of divorce, if one spouse is hiding money, they haven't really done anything complicated. Yes, I get hired for the complicated cases where mm -hmm. there's a lot of money or there's really complex schemes with a lot of accounts involved. But in most families, what we have is one spouse is overseeing the finances, just how it is. If mm -hmm. you're a spouse who wasn't overseeing it, don't be ashamed because it, it, this is just common. One mm -hmm. spouse is usually better at the money stuff and takes it over. But what they know is that their spouse isn't paying that much attention, probably isn't looking at bank statements on a monthly basis, will not notice if some money is siphoned off or spent inappropriately on God knows what. And so they don't use complex schemes because they don't need to. If they mm -hmm. want to transfer money to an account that's in their own name, they just go ahead and do it because they know their spouse isn't going to look at the bank statements and see that that's happening. Mm -hmm. So I'm here to help people figure out, hey, you can know where your money went. Let me yeah. show you how. Definitely. That's so that. crazy. Yeah. And I'd love to hear kind of going back, how did you get into this work? Like, was it something you knew you always wanted to do or how did that, how does this journey sort of look like for you? It is not a complicated story at all. I went into college many, many, many years ago doing, um, intent on doing a criminology major. I was really interested in the criminal justice system and watched documentaries about it all the time and just loved everything about it. And so I started in this criminology program in my sophomore year, wait, I have to back up. I started in the criminology program and my career goal was to become a prison warden. So that was my deal. I was going to be a prison warden someday. And my sophomore year, I took an elective in the criminology program called financial crime investigation. Sounded interesting. It was something that was only offered once every few years. And I thought I'm a sophomore. If I ever want to take this, now's the time. And I fell in love with it. So I started taking accounting and economics courses so that I would be able to sit for the CPA exam someday. So I got the number side of it. I stayed in the criminology program and got that criminology degree, but that was the start of it for me. And that's just been my thing ever since. I love that's it. So interesting. I'm like a huge into true crime. So I feel you on that. I wanted to go into that as well when I was in college, but then I decided to get a business degree. So <laughs> That's the thing. Everyone pushes business degrees because I think that they are 
really flexible. Like you have a lot of different job options with them. And the perception is that you can make more money with them, which in many cases you can. Um, but I also think, you know, liberal arts degrees like criminology are so interesting and, mm-hmm. fun and also important. Important, we yeah. People to go into the criminal justice system to create positive change. And that's mm-hmm. where I thought that I, I was, I had my place in the criminal justice system because I know how complicated it is, how depressing it is, mm-hmm. and how there seem to be no winners in the criminal justice system. Nobody's getting rehabilitated. Nobody's being punished to the extent that people want them to be punished. The victims mm-hmm. feel like they're re-victimized with the system. And I thought, I bet I can make a positive change there for a lot of the people involved. So that's why I wanted to get involved there. But then it took a little turn. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a good turn. So not a bad thing. <laughs> it's a great turn. Um, and so getting thing into things a little bit deeper, I wanted to ask and kind of start with what is financial infidelity and how do people identify it? Sure. When we talk about money in divorce, the issue of financial infidelity comes up a lot. And it's very simply lies about the money between spouses or partners. And it can be little lies. It can be big lies. It can be things like hiding money, spending money on illicit things like drugs or an excessive gambling problem, prostitutes, affair partners. Affair partners is what I see most often with this financial infidelity. So money infidelity many times goes hand in hand with relationship infidelity. Um, So anything where you are telling your partner a lie about the money can be financial infidelity. And I always get the question, well, what about like that pair of shoes that I bought that I hid in the back of my closet because my, I, you know, my husband wouldn't be happy that I bought a pair of shoes. And I say, you know, they say, is that financial infidelity? I think it depends on your relationship with your spouse, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people, their, their husband might be like bothered a little bit, like, we didn't need another pair of shoes, but you know, it's not really that huge of a deal. Mm-hmm. But then there's a spouse who would be super bothered or, you know, maybe your family budget is so darn tight right now due to circumstance and that hundred or $200 that you spend on a pair of shoes, or maybe more, depending on what your habits like might really put your family in financial difficulty. And so it's very situationally dependent. And I always say, I think people know in their heart of hearts, if they are committing financial infidelity, or if it's mm-hmm. just a little, a little, nah, we're, you know. Yeah. We're not just, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. I feel like if, if you're being honest with yourself, you should, you should know when that, that border is crossing or that line is crossing. Right. The one thing that, you know, I caution people uh, because I talk about it in my new book, find me the money is something that I call the, the fraud snowball where we start with little white lies and then it gets easier to tell bigger and bigger lies about the money. So I caution people to be aware of that potential. If you find yourself hiding that pair of shoes more often, making online purchases that you're hiding, goodness, I've seen it you know, escalate to where people are online shopping and sending the packages to a friend's house so that they don't show up at your house. I think that kind of behavior is concerning. And so, so if we're in that, you know, area where it's kind of like a uh, little white lies, it wouldn't be a big deal. Okay. But let's beware that it could escalate. Sure. And if you are the partner on the other side of that, 
what are some of the red flags that you could start to, you know, identify in that other person to start to see something is happening? You are speaking my language. Red flags is something I love talking about. Red flags of financial fraud in marriage. A red flag, I always like to define it when we start because people sometimes mistakenly think that the red flag is evidence and it's really not. It's just a sign that something may be going wrong with the money. It's a clue. Mm -hmm. What I'm looking for is things like changes in behavior in your spouse. That's probably the most common red flag that I see where, and it's hard because you might not notice it at the time. You probably are going to, at some point, realize something is happening. You're going to look back and say, oh gosh, you know, there over the last few months, things have started to change. And so changes in behavior, like them becoming more secretive about their whereabouts, hmm. not sharing information about finances, actively concealing information about finances, or maybe you found evidence of a secret account um, or, or you, you get suspicious that there's a secret account or um, other red flags, like your spouse, not letting you see documents or not letting you get on access to online banking, especially if you had access to it before. One of the things that I see happening is all of a sudden, one day you go to log into online banking and the password doesn't work. And you say to your spouse, Hey, the password doesn't work. And you're asking them because they are probably have always been in charge of the password and they stall. Don't give me the password, things like that. Those kinds of behaviors are concerning to me. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, if, if I, my spouse changed the password and didn't tell me, I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to hide? But instantly I'd be like, right. Why? I've always had access. What's, what's the deal now? Well, and the typical story when there is a problem, the typical story ends up being something like, oh yeah, I got locked out and I had to do a reset. And now I don't know what the password is. Let me get it to you and things like that. And so I think people should trust their guts. Yeah. Trust their guts, trust their gut. You know, if, if the response you're getting doesn't feel right, that's a red flag to me. Definitely. 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 And I feel like it's also a red flag to not be participating in those things. Like, like you said, it usually just goes like someone's better at it. My husband, he's also um, in finance. So like he does usually manage that stuff, but I'm always like in there looking and, but I feel like a lot of people are like, Oh, well, they've got it handled. So like taking that ability from the person. Mary, you are doing exactly what I tell people to do. As I mentioned earlier, it's really common that one spouse, you know, takes care of the finances. If you're the spouse who isn't taking care of it, I literally say spend five to 10 minutes once mm -hmm. a month, go log into online banking or ask for statements and just scan down the transactions because you know your family and you know when something doesn't look right or feel right. You know, if you looked at a credit card statement and saw a charge at a hotel across town, you probably would think, well, that's weird. We don't need to stay at a hotel in our city. Or another great example is, you know, you're looking at a statement and you see a charge at Target and you normally shop at Target and that's all fine and well, but usually on your statement, it will um, give a name of a city where the Target was. And you might say, wait, that Target is an hour away from our house. Why would there have been a charge there? Mm -hmm. And then you can start asking more questions. Yeah. Just look yeah. Details a little closer. Exactly. I, like I said previously, like my dad, so my dad cheated on my mom. He did all this stuff with the money. So it's like, ever since then, like, I feel like I've had like a very high, like 
attention and I were me and Holly, we actually met working at a bank. So like seeing a lot of that stuff happening of like people taking names off and you don't have to have the other person there to take someone's name off of a bank account. And so it's just like switching all of that information or like sometimes people will put someone as a joint owner and you're like, do you understand what this means? It means that you both have equal access. There was a, I remember a girlfriend and boyfriend came in. I was like, are you sure you want to go on? Like you guys aren't married. Like they have equal access. They can take this money and like, you don't have to sign off on anything. So like, I'm very like high alert with these things. The whole taking someone's name off an account is a really critical issue that I deal with a lot in my Mm -hmm. work. You know, people say like, when, if you suspect financial infidelity, or if you think you're going to be getting divorced, what are the first things you should do? One of the things that I always talk about is gather information right away, very quietly without telling your spouse or partner, because Mm -hmm. we're not trying to be sneaky per se, but we are trying to protect ourselves. And I tell people, if you, if your name is on an account, go get all the statements for that account and put them in a safe place, whether that's a safe virtual place digitally, or whether you have paper copies and you put them with a friend or in a safe deposit box or something like that. And people say, well, gosh, my name is on the account. I can get those statements at any time. You may not be able to, you might get locked out of the account. You might have your name taken off the account. And then yes, somewhere down the road in the legal process, you will get access to those statements because your attorney will send a subpoena to the bank. Mm -hmm. But if you have access now, I want to get that information and put it in a safe place. Even if you don't think you're ever going to look at those statements, still get it. Let's put it in a safe place. That way, if we need it, we've got it. Yeah, definitely. Makes sense. Yeah. I've seen it happen way too many times where I'm like, and everyone's like, oh, well, like it's my husband. I can trust them. And it's like, yeah, up in, everyone thinks that. And then divorce right. is real, you know? Right. Yeah. And course. people get hurt feelings and do dirty things in divorce. That person you thought would never screw you over when it comes to divorce, they can become a completely different person. Mm-hmm. It can get dirty. Yeah. And if, I mean, thankfully, my parents are still together, but I've seen for many of my friends that happen. And it's like, right who is that person? Like that wasn't your Mm -hmm. dad, but that wasn't your mom. Welcome to our uplifting podcast today. (laughs) We're sharing information and facts. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's just it. I tell people, you know, divorce is one of the most difficult things you can go through and it can sound very depressing, but I'm approaching it from a very positive standpoint of let's protect yourself. Even Mm -hmm. if you think you'll never get divorced, let me tell you how you can protect yourself just in case. And I think that's positive. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Definitely. I agree. I know you created the divorce money guide. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the book and the course aspects, but also how it just kind of came to creation for you. I have been working in forensic accounting for 25 years. And I've worked on hundreds of divorces, most of the times with women, uh, because they still are the ones who are more often in a lesser financial position in the marriage. They are more likely to be the stay-at-home parent. They are more likely to earn significantly less than their husband, even though we're making strides in that area. And it is more likely that their husband is managing the finances in the household. And so they have less information. They have less money. So that sets a stage for me talking mostly about women. And I talk mostly to women. So for any men out in the audience, the street goes both ways, men and women lie and cheat in marriages. I'm not discriminating there, but I work mostly with women. And last year 
I was lamenting the fact that I can't help more people in divorce. I get calls from women all the time saying, I'm worried that my husband is hiding money. And I've been told I might need a forensic accountant and we will talk through their situation and they will find out how expensive it is to have a forensic accountant work on their case. I tell people plan on 10 to $15,000. It's just expensive. And for most divorces, that's not affordable. And it's actually probably not even necessary because as I said at the beginning, it's usually not that complicated. And so many times my services aren't required, but there was, I was bothered last year because there were no alternatives. And so if I said, well, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to help you. I was telling people, here's a couple articles you can go read. Well, that doesn't help them. If they go back to their attorney who has probably been the one to tell them you need a forensic accountant. They say, well, I can't afford one. Their attorney's probably going to say, well, gosh, then I'm sorry. We can't look into your suspicions about the money. There's really nothing we can do without someone to help us. And so I was saying I wish there was a resource. I wish there was a resource. And then I said, well, wait a second. Why can't I create the resource? So I came up with the concept that eventually became the divorce money guide, which is um, an online handbook is what I call it. It's on an online learning platform, videos, an ebook, worksheets, checklists that walk someone through what they need to know to be able to find the money in their financial situation. So whether they suspect fraud or not, it walks them through getting your arms around the money situation, understanding what your family has been spending money on and knowing how much money you have and where it is. That's so fat. I love that you did that. I have such a genius idea because it's so true. So many people probably can't afford it. And then what they just get shit on because like they can't continue with that process. Precisely. But the, the difficulty was how do you break this down? Like I was, I started off talking about do it yourself forensic accounting. And I think that scares people off. Like I'm never going to be a forensic accountant. Mm -hmm. So I still talk about do it yourself forensic accounting, but I probably shouldn't because it's totally a misnomer. I mean, what I'm doing is, is, you know, get the divorce money guide, go watch some videos get your statements, find your money. I'm just walking you through that process and I'm telling you where to look. And that's the key is telling people where to look. Because I mentioned earlier, you know some transactions on your statements that will look inappropriate. You can identify those, that's super easy. When we talk about some other things like, well, how do I know if all of my husband's paychecks were being deposited to our account. Like, how will I figure out if there's like money missing there that he's not depositing from work? Really simple. I have you go get 12 months worth of bank statements, take a green highlighter to them and highlight every paycheck. Count those up for the 12 month period. Most people get 24 or 26 paychecks a year. You can find out which your spouse gets. And if you count those up for a year and you come up with 20 paychecks have been deposited, you know, you've got a problem. You did not need any special skills to count the number of paychecks. Or as you're highlighting those paychecks, you might see one paycheck that is unusually low compared to all the rest. Mm -hmm. You can start asking some questions and you didn't have to be a forensic accountant to do that. Yeah. I love that. And I I feel like that's true because if you, I hear accounting and I'm like, oh, I'm not good with numbers. Count me out. So a lot of people would like forensic accountant. I can't do that. Nope. Not for me. But like, disguising it as something else and kind of changing how you're explaining it. It's so genius. I love that. (laughs) Right. It's so simple. Or I I walk people through how to find the secret credit card. I mean, Mm -hmm. do you guys feel comfortable trying to find a secret credit card? Would you know how to find a secret credit card? No idea. Mm -hmm. No, 
I tried to think about it for a second, but Mary's like, Mary, I saw the look on your face. Uh, I, it's like, wait a I, second. Yeah, I thought you were going to come up with something, Mary. No, this one's super easy. It's all super easy. Um, most families typically have one or two credit cards that they use as a family. Husband and wife probably each have a card on the account. Mm -hmm. so I use Citibank is the one I use. So you have a Citibank credit card that you and your spouse both use. And you look at your bank statements and you see payments to Citibank. All normal, all good, right? Mm -hmm. I tell people to go back, take a highlighter. I like blue for the credit cards just because. <laughs> Highlight all the payments to Citibank for the last year. And then go back and count them up. I'm going to expect to see 12 payments to Citibank. Sure. If you come up with 18 payments to Citibank throughout that year, what do you think might be going on? Yeah. The first answer I usually get is, well, maybe my spouse split up the payment to the credit card one month, maybe made two smaller payments instead of one big payment. Maybe, usually not. Usually there is a second Citibank credit card that you never knew about. And your spouse, who is in control of the money, got that card at Citibank thinking that if by chance you ever did look at the statements and saw a payment to Citibank, you wouldn't think anything of it because that's the card that you guys use. So crazy. Again, no special it's, skills required. It's the little thing you don't think of. Like it also just like people are so shady. Like shady, yeah. To yes. think of that. It's so crazy. Yeah. Mind blowing. It uh, is mind blowing. You know, and every day someone surprises me with their little their little secret techniques that they use. But like I said, for the most part, like 90% of the shady stuff that people are gonna do is pretty obvious once I tell you where to look for it. Yeah. You know, people like want to get riled up and say, what if he has money hidden overseas? The answer to that is unless you're wealthy or have some sort of history of doing business overseas, probably not. It actually takes a lot of effort to set up an overseas account. Mm -hmm. And most normal people aren't going through that. Now, if your husband or wife happen to work for a company that is based overseas and therefore has a connection overseas, then maybe it's more likely. Yeah. But if you literally have, have nothing, you know, connected to anything international, eh, probably not happening. Yeah. More often than not, are your like tricky cases or like more complicated cases, people who are like wealthy and own businesses and things like that? Yes. Yes. So the cases that I work with on a, you know, on the consulting side, they are typically wealthier people who have, you know, $10 million or more. Uh, they're probably making a million dollars a year or more. And so they have resources to do more shady things. They have yeah. a lot more accounts and, you know, the more accounts you have, the more complicated it gets because we'll see someone passing money back and forth between these accounts and sort of intentionally confusing things. Those are the cases that I can really dig into. Yeah. I feel like the more accounts it's, it's, it's harder to catch things. I'm sure. I mean, just for like the average person to catch things, if you're looking at 15 accounts with this and that going on in and out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You're preaching to my childhood, my dad. So he had his own company and then he had multiple properties of like rental properties too. So it was just like my, like trying to find that trail was like, rough. Well, the other thing people do when they have companies of their own is the divorce is imminent or has been filed. Mm -hmm. Suddenly that company starts losing money or making less money. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, business has become very, very difficult for us. And we're not making any money anymore. So I couldn't possibly 
pay anyone child support or spousal mm-hmm. support. And oh, the value of the business to which you, my spouse, may be entitled to half. Business is worth nothing now. This yep. happens so often. And so I come in and my role is to prove that the business is making money or that they're siphoning off money, siphoning off clients and putting them into a second business. That stuff gets really fun. I, you guys haven't asked for an example yet, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it and give <laughs> an example of um, a guy owned laundromats and, you know, made a good bit of money with these laundromats and the divorce happened. And suddenly these laundromats were just, gosh, we're having a lot of problems. You know, there's construction on the road outside of one of them. So nobody's coming in anymore. And the other one, oh gosh, we've had some thefts and we're just losing money and, and, and people just aren't coming in as often anymore. And we were looking for a way to prove that it was still, his laundromats were still making money And it's hard because it's heavily a cash-based business, right? You go in a laundromat Mm -hmm. and you put dollars into a machine to get tokens. And so he could just empty those vending machines and run off with the cash and never deposit it. And then I said, oh, I have an idea. Why don't we go subpoena the water company and get the water bills? And using the water bills, we showed that the laundromats were using just as much water as they always had been. Therefore, the income from the laundromats was not down. And we could show the court that he was lying. It was awesome. That's so smart. I would have never thought the water bills. That makes right? so much sense. <laughs> like, yeah, my brain, not there. So you said, I was like, genius. I, I know I'm you like, guys look at me put like somebody oh, undercover, God. like put them in there. <laughs> you know, I wish everyone could see your faces. Cause you're both looking at me like, okay, you're talking about a laundromat. Like what, what is this going to be about? But, and then I say the water bills and you're like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. I it's love like, it. It's the satisfaction of like the true crime shows that Mary loves you. Yeah. Like, how is this going to go somewhere? And then you're like, Oh, <laughs> I'm like, put someone on the inside. Let's go. <laughs> right? well, so in businesses like restaurants, there are ways that we can drill down into the numbers and figure out what's been going on because those can be heavily cash-based as well. Um, I did one where this manufacturing company manufacture stuff, ship it out to the customers. Um, doesn't even matter what they're manufacturing, but you know, of course, divorce comes, oh gosh, business is down. Customers just aren't ordering as much. We've lost some key customers. It's just, it's, it's just bad. Look at our accounting records. The accounting records show we're not making money. And sure enough, the accounting records showed that they did. These customers weren't, weren't, you know, ordering as much anymore. And gosh, this is a really unfortunate situation, but I just don't seem to believe him because we've caught him in some other lies. And I was thinking about what can we do? And then I saw that their shipping costs seemed to not go down and they used like FedEx to ship everything to their customers. So I said, let's subpoena FedEx for their shipping records. And goodness, they were shipping just as much as ever before. And these clients that they so-called lost, they were still shipping to those clients. Who knew? Yeah, Crazy. Those, those third-party <laughs> billing numbers you can look into. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so, that's wild. But Uh-oh. so interesting. Like, did, I mean, obviously you're doing it for a reason, but do you just like love your job? Because I love my like... job so much. I love what I do so much. It's, uh, you know, I know people think, how is accounting that fun and how do you get so excited about it? It is for me, I've always loved investigating. I mean, my bio that I probably sent to you said I liked Encyclopedia Brown books as a kid and you guys are younger. So I don't know if you read Encyclopedia oh, Brown books, but yeah, 
I, you know, I went to a really small school and so we had a tiny little library and we had, you know, probably I bet like six or eight encyclopedia Brown books. And I just read them over and over and over. I just love the hunt. And then when you find, you know, find that, find the, uh, oh gosh, what am I looking for? The smoking gun. Mm -hmm. You find the smoking gun. It is so gratifying. I'll bet. I feel like Mary's in her brain right now. Like I know what I'm going to be as an adult. I'm like, yeah, like I want to be you when I grow up. (laughs) Do it. We need more forensic accountants. Um, And just to kind of switch gears a little bit before we wrap up, since Mary and I are both a little bit more newlyweds, me a little bit more so than her. I see too. You do. I am a newlywed. Yeah. I mean, congrats. Amazing. When did you get married? Three years ago. Okay. Mary's two years, right? Two Is years it? in July. Yeah. yeah well, I sh- it should be longer, but COVID, you know. And mine's about seven-ish months. So really new. Good for yes. you. Yes. So we heard and seen that you have the marriage money guide. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about this and sort of what that looks like. When I was creating the divorce money guide, I was thinking about the possibility of reverse engineering it. Like I'm, I'm showing people what to do when something's already gone wrong with the money, mm-hmm. but maybe we need to reverse that and help people figure out how to avoid money problems in their marriage and also how to look for those red flags and those signs as they're going through their marriage. So that if one of the partners is, you know, committing financial fraud, that we can stop it early or see it early. So I created the marriage money guide. Marriage money guide is very much like the divorce money guide where you're going to watch some videos, read some materials, do some worksheets. And I walk you through the process of, first of all, communicating with your future husband. And I did write the marriage money guide specifically for women. So it's communicating with your husband, or if you're going to get a wife, you can have that. You can use the marriage money guide too, but it is for women. Let's talk about you know, our values surrounding money, how we want to manage money together, what our parameters are, what's acceptable spending and what isn't. So talking about it, creating a plan for ourselves. How are you going to manage the money? Are you going to combine all of your finances? Are you going to keep your finances mostly separate? Or are you going to do something kind of hybrid in between? Mm-hmm. And then I, I talk about the red flags that you should be on the lookout for if you see any of these signs in your marriage that you can start asking questions. So that's kind of the overview of, of where the marriage money guide has gone. I love that. I'm going to start pointing people in your direction. Cause I feel like a lot of my younger friends will always be like, Oh, well, like, how do you guys do money and stuff? Like now that you're married and I'm like, well, everybody is so different. Like my husband is very different than who you're going to marry and vice versa. Um, so I'm definitely going to send people your way when they ask me that question. I'll be like, here, go read this guide. I can tell you, she can tell you way more than I can. (laughs) Right. I'm a huge fan of money conversations and that for some people who have anxiety about money to say, have regular money conversations might sound terrible, Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you this. If you were to have a weekly or monthly conversation about money and start getting into a routine about it, it becomes less intimidating if you and your spouse have one huge money talk a year or twice a year, there's a lot of anxiety around that. But if it's a routine kind of thing, like, you know, around the kitchen table kind of thing where let's do a weekly check-in, where are we at saving on the house? Um, how are the car payments going? 
What's the budget looking like? Oh, the electric bill has seemed to have gone up because rates have gone up. Is there, do we need to be mindful about that? Is there something we can do to, to, to mitigate that? Like just keeping up with it makes it so much less intimidating. I think. That's so smart. Like I, I, you, you put that like mindset to other things, like the gym, it's not so scary if you just keep going because you get comfortable with it. You get comfortable with doing those exercises, et cetera. And it's like right. things like talking about, you just don't think about it in that way. But I'm like, that is so true. If we just openly, like my husband and I just openly started talking about it more than when we have to have those big talks of, about the future, et cetera. It's not so scary because we already kind of know where we're at, had space where we're at, et cetera. Well, certainly the big talk isn't nearly as big anymore because you've been keeping up with that issue. You know, you want to buy a house someday. You've probably been talking about it all along as to where are we on our savings goals and things like that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Me and my husband recently, it's every day, it's every hour we're talking about our money. (laughs) We're looking at buying houses. So it's like very common right now for us to be very talking about stress that. inducing as well I imagine it's awful I hate this market <laughs> but yes it's my husband's a financial analyst so like he loves talking about this stuff and I'm like I hate money I, I <laughs> wish that we could just go back to bartering <laughs> good, concept. good concept right oh my goodness well, to wrap up, we each like to ha- uh, ask guests kind of one signature question. So mine for you is what are three things you are grateful for today? I am grateful for um, a career that I love that provides well for me and my family, for the choices that I have in life, because I think that choices are so key. You know, they say, Money doesn't buy happiness, but I like to say that money does buy choices mm-hmm. and choices are key. Definitely. And I am grateful for the wonderful people in my life and meeting people like you. Love it. Love, Love it. that. My signature question is usually, um, what piece of content are you consuming right now? Whether it be a podcast, a book, TV that you feel like people should be consuming. I feel like you just said that you have your own book coming out. So I feel like that's going to be my next thing because I will be purchasing and reading that. Um, but for you, what is it, the the content that you would suggest? So I have been watching a series that just came out on Netflix called How to Get Rich uh, with Remit. I can't think of his last name right now. So he's a consumer finance kind of guy. He coaches people Uh, how to become better with money and things like that. And so he's got this series on Netflix that just came out where he is walking through, walking with individuals and couples to change their money situation. So they have some sort of money stress, money problems. You know, we want to buy a house, but we have all this debt. How do we dig out of it? And the advice that he is giving these people is super applicable to real life. I think a lot of times these money shows they are, uh, it's interesting to watch, but it's, it doesn't translate to real life. And I would say this program really does translate to real life. And people are going to see some tools there that they can use in their own lives. I just noted that I have not seen that come up on Netflix. So I just put that in our little notes because I need to go. Watch. I feel like that's like the thing that I need to, those are the things I should say I need to watch it. I, yeah, I hope I gave the, the right title, uh, how to get rich or how to live rich. So I'll it's, look it up right there. I'll look it up. I'll find it, but I'll also link it below. So (laughs) 
anyone cool. else who's listening can also find it. Um, and so very last question for you is what's next for you? What can we expect? Where can our listeners also find you at? Well, what's next is what's right now. And that is my book, Find Me the Money, which just came out. And it is the story of Jackie who is getting divorced after her husband, Derek, has had an affair and she needs to know what has happened with the money. And Jackie walks through the divorce money guide and the book is written as a story. It is her story. And so it's really easy to read, but it gives you some really actionable things, um, shows you, you know, places to look, things to do like, um, Jackie is going to get a divorce attorney and she goes out and interviews three attorneys. And we talk about some of the questions that she asks and why she chose the attorney that she did. And so for someone who's thinking about getting divorced, I think there's some really great stuff that they can read like that, which will give them ideas for, Hey, here are some things I can ask potential attorneys that I might work with. So what's next is now is the book. Um, And I've been doing a lot over the last year with creating and marketing the divorce money guide. And so I'm really kind of no new products, no new anything for a little while. We're just going to focus on talking about the book and the divorce money guide. I love it. I love it. Hey, you need to balance and like live in those things. You can't just move on to like the next thing. Right. That's not healthy. Yeah. With Mother's Day coming up right around the corner, I feel like I'm going to give that to my mom because she's been saying for years, like someone needs to write a book about this and help people so that they know what to do because like she clearly like didn't know what to do during that time. So I love that you wrote this. It's something me and my mom talk about all the time. So I bet she's going to read it and see so many similarities with her own situation in there. Definitely. And like I said, she, she's like, I'm not going to be the one to do it, but someone needs to write this. Someone needs to help people. So I appreciate you doing that. Yes. Okay. I appreciate the work you do. And thank you for sharing so much. I mean, I feel like we just got like a, a segment of information, but I feel like I learned so much, not personal going through a divorce or anything that I can only imagine if someone is in a situation, like hearing some of these things of, oh, oh, you know, just those light bulbs. Right. And that you're not alone. This happens. Don't be ashamed. Like we'll get through it. Definitely. And as always, we'll have all of Tracy's links below. We'll have the book link below, et cetera. So you guys can check it out. Mary, you can buy your copy for your mom, but I just purchased it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, thank you so much. As I was trying to say that, apparently Mary's checking out on Amazon, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So now that we have already spilled all the tea, Mary, spill all your tea. Yeah. I, like Holly said in the intro, I did not know what this position really was what a forensic accountant I didn't know that that existed I just figured that attorneys did that work but her clients are attorneys so that makes complete sense that someone would be doing this kind of like background research Mm -hmm. for you um yeah just insane because I feel like my mom could have benefited from this so much and we talk about this all the time about how women who obviously women who are taken advantage of by their husbands who are usually like Tracy said, cheated on Mm -hmm. there's some kind of adultery going on. And usually I feel like they don't have this guidance and you just, you always assume that 
the person that you marry is going to be the person that you're with for the rest of your life. That's why you get married. Yeah. Yeah. And you trust them and you do your finances and you expect them to be doing the right things. And maybe it's not adultery. Maybe like she said, it's, it's a gambling addiction or any other kind of thing where they're spending money. Yeah. Yeah. Like women can do it too. So it's just like, you expect the person that you married to be the person who you trust and they can handle your finances. And you're like, Oh, they've got that. No worries. Exactly. And it's just, I think that this is perfect because if you don't know, and she has a marriage guide too. So like on the positive end, like when you're going into a marriage, she Mm -hmm. now has that where you can kind of keep your eyes open for that stuff. Not even just for like, you're suspicious of your husband or spouse or whatever it is, but just to be in the know about your own finances. I think that that's like the biggest thing that her marriage guide is for. But then also on the flip side of that, I think women get so taken advantage. Well, and again, men too Mm -hmm. get very taken advantage of. Yeah. And to, yeah, to have this guide of how to protect yourself against that is huge definitely yeah and and like I was saying in the introduction as well there's so many things that I learned you know from this episode just like how she talks about having you know conversations about money with your spouse Mm -hmm. like having them regularly so that way those quote-unquote big conversations aren't anxiety inducing and scary and things like that and I'm sitting there like yeah I am that person that avoids these conversations so like yeah I know what you're talking about and I could understand you know like I build you know have built so many habits that are now daily habits mm-hmm. for me it's the same thing with like discussing something but you just don't think about it like that yeah and I find that finances sometimes can be like an embarrassing conversation to have so like if you're maybe you're in the beginning of your relationship even but when John and I first bought our house I feel like that's like when we had to start talking about our finances mm-hmm. and in retrospect, I wish that we had been talking about it all along so that we could make educational decisions. Mm-hmm. And like, but again, it's sometimes it's embarrassing to have those conversations about like your debt and the things that you've spent money on and whatnot. Right. Definitely. So I think that that was a huge topic just in general, even if you're not in a relationship, but just to be able to talk about finances a little bit more openly. Yes. Yes. I think that's to make like, it less scary. <laughs> yeah. That's like the one thing you take away from this episode. I think that is it because I think there is such like a stigma around money and talking about money and being mm-hmm. open to talk about money. Yeah. And honestly, like, like I said in this episode too, and you guys have heard it before, Holly and I worked at a bank together and me, her, and like another person that we worked with, like that's, that was like my introduction to talking about like finances was mm-hmm. with you guys. And I felt like it was such a comfortable like atmosphere, but not a lot of people have that where they're not, you know, they're being judged for what they're saying. Yeah. So exactly. exactly. Um, so nobody can see me right now, but my blurry background is making my arm disappear. I didn't notice until <laughs> right before you were about to say something. I was like, oh, Mary doesn't have an arm anymore. <laughs> Anyways, that really made me laugh, but um. <laughs> It's a pseudo lost an arm. It's fine. Um, and he... <laughs> oh my goodness. But as we had said at the end of the episode or at the end of the actual interview portion, we'll have everything for Tracy linked below. So if you want to check out the divorce money guide, if you want to check out her new book, if you want to check out anything, you know, just feel free to jump down to the links. Um, and I also have that Netflix show that we talked about linked before, uh, blah, 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 what? linked to below as well and so 
I'm so excited about it. And I can't wait to watch that Netflix show. I already added to my my little queue list. Yes. And if you guys want a quicker way to get to Tracy and all the information that we had in this podcast, you can go to fraudcoach.com slash get fitty. And all of her information is there. It is set up and it's honestly so convenient to find everything that she's got going on. Definitely. And that will be the first link below. So with that, before we wrap up, Mary, I just want you to say one thing you are grateful for in this time of stress. Um, I'm grateful for my husband because I feel like our communication recently, like everybody I feel like has lulls in their relationship and conversing and just, I mean, with anybody, friends, whatever. And I feel like our communication, we've just been working on it so much recently and he's just really hearing me now, which is great because I also, TMI, <laughs> but I also got my period. So, and it's coming in with a vengeance and, and let me tell you, I have not been pleasant to be around. So, and he's been just taking that very well. So. <laughs> I get Brandon, Brandon could relate with that sometimes. So, yeah. And I'm like, please just leave me alone. I just need to be by myself. <laughs> need to, and yes, he's upstairs. So that's so funny. What about you, Holly? What are you grateful for? Um, I am grateful for my niece, which I feel feel like you and I pass um the, mm-hmm. home, the niece just back and forth. Yes. Um, but I did get to spend two weekends ago with her for her birthday, and then I got to spend this yesterday with her with obviously due to bad things in the family, but it was nice to spend the day with her. And I even heard uh, the word on the street from her mom, AKA my sister-in-law is after her fourth birthday party, Jen asked, who did you have the most fun with at your birthday party? And who did she say? Uncle Brandon. I thought it was going to be you. (laughs) No, uh, I wish it was. Um, It still melted my heart, but I was like, it's fine. I, I didn't hang out with you like all day. But it's fine. Um, if it makes you feel any better, um, Emerson went down for a nap one day and we were, so we were at their house. Mm-hmm. Then she took a nap and we left while she was napping mm-hmm. and she woke up and she said, where's uncle Don? It's like, what? Like, I'm so jealous. Like, like you said, it melts your heart yeah. that they like them, but yeah. And you're like, well, me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> someone was like do you have baby fever because of her i was like no i'm jealous because neither of them they both want to hang out with each other more than they want to hang out with me <laughs> that's awesome though funny too funny i love it but as always so did, well wait one more one more circle back is yeah. did you end up giving your cat to her no for her birthday i did not <laughs> i did not give her my cat um she does want to come sleep over soon with pooty uh, we were talking about it yesterday and okay. we, that Pootie sleeps in the bed with us. She thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, sounds like we're having a sleepover soon. And she was like, but there's going to be no toys. And I'm like, I bought toys when you were like six months old for you to come sleep over and you still haven't. But thankfully, I mean, there are toys that like she would play yeah. at this age. Um, but so I was like, no, you're good with toys. I've got a pack and play for you to sleep in. If you wanted to, I've got toys. I was like, oh, you're good. I've got, I've so been funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but I'm glad you've had a follow up with that question because it's very important. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad she's okay with it. You know, she no, lives through not getting okay pudding. with it, but um, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> a runner up to come sleep over. 
with the cat exactly (laughs) um and i realized that we didn't say this earlier so in case you want to find us on instagram you can find us at get fitty with it pod or you can email us at get fitty with it pod at gmail.com and i messed that up again usually we flip it so we should probably just hang this one up wrap it up for the day yes Thank you so much for Tracy for being on and sharing the genius intellect that she did. And until next time, we will see you next week. Bye.